0: Welcome to Film Creative Voices. We're your hosts. I'm Arlene de La Pena, and this is Walter Talents. <laughs> and today, we are doing a community
1: episode. Where we're going to be speaking with community leaders and community uh, activists that basically helps out the Filipino-American community uh, that and affects the Filipino-American community. And our guest today is, help me say this,
0: Akalina Soriano
1: Versosa.
0: I think he thinks he's a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
1: AKA Aki. <laughs>
0: we're, we're so honored and privileged to have her. Uh, she's done so much for the community for many, many years. And we are so thankful as film creative and Filipino American artists uh, to have somebody like her in our corner and helping us and many, many others throughout the community.
1: Yes, and she is uh, one of the main supporters of uh, Fitland Creatives Voices. She allows us to be here in this space, so we're very thankful to have her uh, help us out in this cause, and just she's just an awesome person. So I'm really looking forward to talk to her uh, and just learning more about her.
0: And how are you with community service, Walter? Have you been involved with, with anything throughout the community? Um.
1: Yes, I mean not probably not as much as some of the folks here uh at P, uh, pwc uh, but i remember going back as far back as like uh fifth grade in my elementary school we did i uh, grew up in san francisco and we did ocean beach cleanup so oh, cool. we would clean up the beaches and doing something like that uh and then most recently i was i was helping out a, a organization called coach art What's that? which is you basically take um uh, kids from different grades, young kids, usually underprivileged kids, and uh, help them uh, learn, like learn arts or something like that. You teach them how to play, uh, learn how to paint, learn how to play music, uh, sports. And in my case, I was teaching them like martial arts, like oh, cool. Filipino martial arts, kali and taekwondo and stuff like that. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, you know, just give them the basics and stuff like that. And some of them are, um, some of them it's it's the kids or their siblings and or both. And a lot, a good amount of them are also underprivileged kids with illnesses.
0: Oh wow! So uh, it I started th- kind of similar like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, which one? Um, I don't remember what it was. So okay. I had I had a best friend um, in Texas growing up. We actually lived in Washington State together, and uh, and then we convinced her family to move to Texas as well. Mm-hmm. you year after my family moved. Shout out to you, Bernadette, and uh, and her family was very involved with um the community in San Antonio. And so my very first thing, it's somewhere out there, there's footage of this, where it was a Halloween thing and it was something with kids with an illness as well. Mm. And so we... We didn't really have costumes, but we did have taekwondo outfits, uh-huh. both of which we did not do, uh, but we just happened to have them. And, uh, and so. So they're like, you're <laughs> Asian, and I believe it. <laughs> so, so we, I remember like somebody, like I went to school the next day, and everyone was like, oh, I saw you on the news. Like you and your friend were like looking like this right at the camera. <laughs> like there were like kids <laughs> playing around. And, and so we were doing something uh, very similar where we're doing like lots of arts and crafts and, yeah. and, um, you know, just kind of, I don't know if it was like make a wish or uh, something to that effect, but, uh, but yeah, we volunteered all around town and yeah, it was yeah, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a great experience, uh, you know, and just the people who volunteer there was great, you know, just, and I think it was originally arts, like teaching them how to paint, how to draw. And then they started getting into like having us do sports or play sports with the kids, just because they wanted to get them moving, uh, you know, instead of being stagnant or, you know, and, and we work with their disability too and stuff like that. So it was, it was an eye-opening experience for me just being able to work with kids. Um, so yeah, what about? Um, well, we're gonna be talking to Aki about like PWC or Filipino Worker Center again, um, and they do a lot of stuff with the community and with the local community. And, I mean, some of the stuff they do here is, like, helping out senior citizens Yes. Uh, and immigrants or, uh, um, uh, help me out here. Labor laws. Labor laws, there you go. Uh,
0: voting. Uh, sometimes uh, there's a language barrier when it comes to finding out Uh, rights for the community in even how the voting process works here in the United States and PwC does a great job. I'm always hearing Ian (laughs) helping somebody. He's fabulous. Uh, And uh, it's nice. Like the, I can remember this one conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, We must've been here for another event, but they were here in the conference room and he was helping um, one of the aunties who could not speak English very well. And her phone bill was astronomically, um, Overcharged, And so he was able to talk to a representative and discuss things with them of, you know, to get charges taken off, which is huge because, you know, with a lot of immigrants, they're not making, you know, they're not rolling in the dough when they first come to the States. Or if they've been here a long time, you know, they might not have the means um, uh, to just afford, um, you know, certain luxuries of life and to to have a difference of, you know, what your phone bill costs. That's huge. I mean, that's food.
1: Well, it's also something that I think young people um, and, you know, first generation, second generation, or even just, you know, Americans who's been here for a while, like, that's something I don't think they realize or think about is uh, how difficult it can be to immigrate to a new country. And then especially if you're already like a senior citizen or like, you know, past your prime kind of thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and there's some, immigrants not just filipino americans out there who they get that green card or they get that immigration uh uh, acceptance and then they come here in the later stages of their lives but it's always been their dream to come to america and then realize it's a whole different world there's all these and there's all these sharks wanting to take advantage of Mm -hmm. them and the great thing is that the filipino worker center you know like ian was there helping folks like that out so that was i thought that was really impressive and i'm pretty sure there's other organizations out there that does the same thing for, you know, different ethnic groups or different, uh, communities, which, you know, shout out to all those other organizations. You guys are doing great service to the community and to the people. Um, because some of those folks don't have kids or family here. It's just them or, you know, a lot of them are spread out. So yeah, when I try to put myself in their place, I can't even imagine like how difficult that could be.
0: Right. And I mean both of us came here as immigrants to the United States. I came from Europe from Germany.
1: <laughs> as I can tell.
0: <laughs> uh, that's how I heard that Italian, right? <laughs> and and you, you know Walter, you came here when you were 12? How old were you again when you came? Um from?
1: I was 10. Oh 10. Yeah. Sorry. It's
0: 2 years off, guys. <laughs> Uh, from the Philippines, and yeah. and even that is an adjustment. Uh, I came here when I was very young, uh, right before kindergarten, and um, and it was different. You know, like I had a lot of memories of of uh, just language barriers and cultural shock, and and so yeah, it's it's great that we have these other resources out here uh, that can help all ages and all communities.
1: And I mean, coming from Europe, and you know, Germany, like I just do want to say, like like Italy, the, that was I was saying
0: no? Oh, okay. I think it's just because I'm just so
1: influenced by the pizza, which is our food for today. Which I thought is, you were uh, trying
0: to get stationed in Italy. Oh, I would love <laughs> to.
1: But, um, you know, because we got pizza rev sponsoring our, uh, shoot today. Yes. So shout out to pizza rev. Thank you.
0: And we also have, uh, well, we do have dessert pizza from Ooh. pizza rev and also other dessert from cafe 86. Cafe 86. So thank, you.
1: <laughs> thank you guys for sponsoring Craves voices. We really appreciate you. Um, That being said, let's all get get ready and go uh, prepare and bring Aki over. And so we'll go talk to her after a word from our sponsors. Stay tuned.
2: This episode is sponsored in part by Pizza Rev. Pizza Rev serves award-winning oven-fired personal pizzas customized by you. Choose from a variety of thoughtfully sourced ingredients from locations all over Southern California and nationwide or heat up your next meeting, event, or podcast taping with Pizza Rev Catering. Pizza Rev. Eat well, be full, be revolutionary. This episode is sponsored in part by Cafe 86. Cafe 86 specializes in tea, coffee, and desserts, featuring ube, the distinctly purple Filipino yam. Come into any of Cafe 86 locations in Southern California and the newly opened Location in Las Vegas, Nevada. Try their Ube cracked cheesecake, Turon pie tarts, and Voices crew favorite, Ube leche flan cupcakes. Cafe 86, tea, coffee, and all things a la mode.
1: Hey guys, we're back. Uh, we have here Aki Soriano Persosa. <laughs> Sorry, I-, I can't help it. I love it. I love saying that. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Voices.
3: Well, it's great to be here. Thank you.
1: And I just want to say thank you for having Philam Creative and Philam Creative Voices here at the Filipino Worker Center in Historic Filipino Town in Los Angeles, California. We really appreciate you and thank you for letting us be here and letting you use your space.
3: Well, this is Larry Itliung Village, and you know we're here to become a community space and to support our Filipino community. So we're really happy to have you here. You have quite the career.
0: I'm going to fangirl a little bit.
3: <laughs> I'm not even going to wait.
0: So you started off as a child actor and you are actually in one of my most favorite movies growing up. <laughs> you guys, she is the girl from True Beverly Hills, <laughs> which I, I was always wondering what country they came from mm-hmm. because the dad was, you know, this dictator of like some random country, but no one knew, but his name was Bong Bong.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, my character was one of the first very specifically Filipino characters. Yes. Even though I was the dictator's daughter, that was the character. But I was one of the few actual Filipinos, not just a token Asian, Um, but (laughs) yeah.
1: And uh, what year was that? movie
3: uh, i came out in 19 i think we filmed it in 88 and it came out in 89 i believe that was middle school for me oh, wow. wow
1: so was it supposed to be like sort of related to like marcos like, absolutely c- oh, yeah. okay. yes <laughs> yeah. that
3: was a direct spoof on the marcos dictatorship so they actually got um a filipino the the actor who played him mm-hmm. is a marcos lookalike. Mm. But funny. Um, he actually he's actually a doctor in Beverly Hills. Oh. Really? oh. And he's the brother of Jose Maria Sison, who's like the father of the National Democratic Revolution what? in the Philippines. <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> oh my god. But gosh. that was part of his gig in the 80s was to do like impersonations of Marcos here wow. in um in Hollywood. Oh my God! Fun yeah. fact,
1: guys. That,
3: that's so amazing, because seriously,
0: growing up, um, you know, I never lived around a lot of Filipinos. And you were very clearly Filipino. The family was very clearly <laughs> Filipino, even, you know. With lots of shoes. Yeah, yeah. lots of shoes. <laughs> and then the dancing. And yeah, it was, it was awesome to see, you know, this Girl Scout, this Troop Beverly Hills girl, <laughs> the one and only Filipino in that troop. So thank you so much. You, like, literally, it, like, oh my gosh, I've watched that movie so many times. I was so in love with it. Like, I remember the scene when, you know, you were sleeping, she took off your glasses. I was like, oh my God, see, she cares. <laughs> it's like... I love it. I love it. And so how did you go from from acting into what you do now, into social mm-hmm. justice and fighting for the community?
3: Well, um, well so I was born in the um, middle USA, right in the Midwest, uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And we traveled here, came to California, and, like, we're in California, so I wanted to try acting. So when I went to acting... Um, I just started doing lots of commercials, Barbie, Baby Kiki, tons of Mattel stuff, Doritos... Pepsi. I don't know if you remember that thing. I was <laughs> <an edition? laughs> uh, no, no, no. It was like a summer thing where you, I don't know, everyone did this. Anyway, it, it was like a the dance. Egyptian dance. Yeah, uh,
1: Rodney, we got to get a clip of that.
3: We or reenactment. We'll do a reenactment. <laughs> 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 got
1: to go through the archives. <laughs> and
3: stuff. But I actually lived in Orange County, so we'd drive up every day. My mom would drive oh, wow. um, me up after school to auditions, and then Ooh. when I got stuff, I would... Um, go and film. And, um, and so I thought that actually I was just going to, my direction was going to be acting, you know, and I came to UCLA, went to school. Um, I studied up here at an acting school and a lot of it was about, uh, I studied in Burbank and so like I was very, very, very much deeply into acting.
0: Um, what was your major at UCLA?
3: First I was undecided. Then I went to environmental studies. But then there was, like, a couple old white professors that totally turned me (laughs) off to environmental (laughs) studies. Um, And I just started getting involved on campus. So, coming from the Midwest and then Orange County, like, I was very sheltered in many ways. Mm. So, like, my father, he was born here in Detroit. um, And Mm. his mother died in childbirth with him. Oh, my goodness. And my grandfather um, couldn't... Really handle taking care of him, so he he went to like military school, boarding school, Catholic uh-huh. school, and was raised uh, more by like families in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have a lot of community around him. And then my mom, um, she's actually Japanese and Dutch, and she was born in Omaha, Nebraska, and she was adopted into a small fa- farming family there. So they met um, during the '70s at a religious commune. And my dad was the first Asian that my mom had ever met. Oh my! Wow. god. Like she would seen some from afar, but he was the first one she ever met, and then three months later they were married. Wow! So it was very much like nuclear, and we mostly lived in suburbs, so um, it's kind of isolated. In so your mom
1: was ways. like, "They do
3: exist." Which <laughs> <laughs> <Asians. laughs> She's, like touching him. Yeah, are, sure are you real? Are you real? <laughs> what was it like
0: for your? Because I'm sure your family told you stories of what it was like to you know, live in Nebraska and, you know, be the one and only Asian, you know, like, family that was there. My mom was the only
3: Asian in the entire town because she was adopted into a white family.
0: Wow. So
3: she had all kinds of issues growing up and just, um, you know, got, it was not long after the Japanese after World War Two, so oh, there was still a lot of animosity against um, you know Japanese people mm-hmm. also, and she was mixed, mm-hmm. you know, she, uh, so it was it was very rough for her growing up. So I think she just latched onto my dad, the first Asian. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna build a family together. <laughs> wow. Um, but. Um, But so I I actually got into activism because I started, wanted to go to my roots because Mm -hmm. I hadn't had that kind of community around me growing up. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into my culture, my heritage. I joined Samhank Filipino then.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because back then, Orange County wasn't as diverse or thing as it is now even, right?
3: Right. And we lived in like South Orange County. So Mm -hmm. there was some Filipinos, there were a few Asians, but it was predominantly white too. Mm -hmm. So, but a very good academic school. <laughs> so. They do have a great
0: school district.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so then I just got in, like, my eyes were opened at UCLA to the world and realizing that there's racism. And, and actually that made my family's history and my parents' experiences just, like, make sense like, oh, that's why, you know, like it was really hard for my dad. Uh, he had to move around a lot of different jobs, you know, and he got profiled by police, you know, different things. And it's like, oh, it's not actually him. It's like that's just what's happening in the dynamics of this country. How
0: did, how did your parents, um, I guess, explain those stories to you? Did you witness any of them or um, like how do you explain that to your child? You know, mm-hmm.
3: I don't think we actually really talked about it. It's just something Mm. we experienced and and that was just the way it was.
1: Well, like you were saying that uh, when you started taking class in UCLA, then you kind of learned or realized it was racism. I guess, like in context, like how does that come about? Like you grew up, um, it's not just in a a vacuum. I'm sure you experienced it. You just didn't know what was happening to you.
3: Yeah, even because my mom was adopted into a, a white family, right? so um like my my adopted grandmother uh you know would come and stay with us um but she was very much um had a lot of racism towards uh, African Americans because mm. that was kind of the context of the towns there. So, like, she'd use the N word and stuff. Like, my brother's playing a basketball team at this other school that's pre- predominantly black, and she's like, "Oh, we're gonna beat those N words." You know, it's like, it was like, "Oh, wow,", like, Ooh, wow. <laughs> you know, and no that's, filter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, or my mom having a boyfriend who was white after my parents already broke up, but who would say like, oh, I can I can blindfold you with dental floss. You know, Oh my like, goodness. Wow. <laughs> oh like,
0: there's like no response for that, you know, I don't even know how to like respond to that.
3: Oh, my yeah. gosh. And, you know, um, and I, I realized uh, in this journey, like you know i was I became very angry like first when I went to college and like learning all these things and and really going through even my um, experience in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know like just like the limitations to the roles that I could play you know I was very fortunate and i like I did very well I got a lot of things but um yeah but it's like limited to I did get a lot of token Asian roles, you know mm. I did get um the Asian nerd yeah. role. I did, you know, but the, the lead character, the, you know, like, it, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see that in kind of hindsight. And um, and then just even, you know, sometimes the um, creepiness of producers and stuff, you know, like yes. in Hollywood. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So I could reflect <laughs> on that and for a while I was kind of like that angry person and like didn't want to have anything to do uh, well, I, I kept on acting all the way through college. Um, and then as I got more and more involved, um, I just wanted to go and experience things. Mm-hmm. So I went to the border regions and um, saw, uh, talked with maquiladora workers and orphanages and people in, in the border towns there. I went to Native American reservations where they were trying to stop dumping on their lands. Mm-hmm. Um and, like camped out with them cuz they like blockaded the you know the dump so that the trucks couldn't come in. Um I got involved in police abuse issues and stuff here in downtown LA. And so I just um felt like the best thing I could do. I'd book learned for a long time and I was like a really good student, but more than that I wanted to get like life experience. So I just got out there and started Doing anything I could, getting exposed, talking to people, and then I just felt my focus shift, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the last, uh, the last role that I did in Hollywood was for um, Unhappily Ever After. Oh really? I don't know if you remember that, yeah, yeah. Bobcat yes. Goldthwait. I played. Um, the Asian nerd in his in the daughter's class (laughs) (laughs) where she's the sexy smart one (laughs) let's get a clip of that (laughs) (laughs) and they actually wanted to my character's name was Sushi
1: Wow. I was
0: like, wow.
3: Oh. You know, that's the, you know, li- it's not I, even funny, I actually.
0: I <laughs> remember that.
3: <laughs> well, oh I my got gosh. them to change it to just Susie. It's like, it's a real name. Are you going to call someone Hamburger or something? You know, it's like, yeah. so, anyways, and it wasn't funny at all. So they, I got them to change that. But, um, but yeah, but that was still, you know, the role I played. Um, but that paid for my trip to go to the Philippines. <laughs> and you went to the Philippines for, was it one year? Yeah, for a year. And then that's when I just like kind of deep dived into the community there and spent oh, nice. time with, um, on the picket lines with the students who are did fighting you, for a Did you, did you see
0: like a common theme through all these different cultures and subcultures uh, from the States to overseas? Did you see a
3: commonality? Mm-hmm. Um I mean definitely there are commonalities and a lot of it is just in the the humanity and people's like common dreams and visions um but um but when I went to the Philippines it opened up my eyes like you know leaving America mm-hmm. and then learning like what we thought here or we couldn't even think of, like, a baseline reality of yeah. what I Like Poverty right.
0: over there is different than the poverty Things here. that we thought
3: were you were necessary to yeah. live, Yeah, people don't have over there, right?
1: In context, like, what years or what year was this? Mm-hmm. Or?
3: Uh, 96 to 97.
1: Okay. And so when you were out there uh, getting involved, like, what was the, like, what were the issues and topics that you were, like, learning or discovering and getting active?
3: With? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's when there was the Visiting Forces Act, um, Mm -hmm. you know, where they had closed down the base, but now it's kind of opening up all of the military bases for use by the U.S. um, and the issues of pollution and stuff like that. Um, in, I mean, just the issue of, like, um, basic wages, Mm -hmm. running water, you know, sanitation in, like, the the barangays, um... Mm -hmm. And um also in like minimum wages in like the Century Tuna factory, for oh, example. Okay. Like I got to go and see like how they work like what their actual work is and then like how much they're actually making pretty.
1: Now, how did they like you being an American, you know, did they see you as a, a Filipino coming home or an American
3: Like uh, a Phil M.
1: A Phil or mm-hmm. just an American that looks Filipino and like or how did they treat you when you came in to be involved in their activism?
3: Mm-hmm. Well well first I can tell you how I felt. Like coming in when I first got there I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm average height. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but but then like I really felt the being American just because of just you know, just a, such a different situation. Mm-hmm. And then I I didn't know any Tagalog at all. No, you no, know maybe I knew like one word. Kondilang. You know, <laughs> not even that much. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> because neither of my parents uh, knew uh, Tagalog yeah. or never spoke it at all. So what I knew, I knew by listening to some songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, when I went over there, was like, part of my journey was just learning how to speak Tagalog. Okay. Um, and I would study it and I had my little Tagalog book and then someone would sit and help me with it and then i just try seeing things the next day. Like, um, I put together a speech. "akopo si a And just like simple things. Kaina. <laughs> and the hardest thing sometimes like I remember one time I got so frustrated just because like couldn't understand the jokes. And it just made me feel so separate. <laughs> like, I didn't have the context yet to understand all of the jokes. So by the end, I was getting pretty good. But um, but so that was just like, because language is like so, um, you know, it's such an embodiment of culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these different kinds of references and different things that I just, you know, words that like kind of translate the same mm-hmm. are not exactly the same, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. right? And so that's something I had to learn just by being there for them i mean like for the people that i worked with a lot of them were student activists mm-hmm. especially um i mean they were they were very um open and gracious so they like definitely appreciated that i was there and that um i really just like dove in like head first anything i'm game any kind of conditions I can take it. I can if you if if that's what they do, then that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. So I learn how to eat with my hands. I learn how to, you know, just go with like a little bit of food, you know, and just, you know, and just really live together with them and struggle together with them. I learned how to ride the Jeepney system. Oh yeah. And so and they appreciated that I was really trying, you know, to to integrate myself and trying to speak um, and even like by the end of the year my Tagalog still wasn't very good but I was really trying and um, I gave a speech and I like wrote out my whole speech and, and I gave it in front of this big uh, gathering and I was like yeah Tagalog yeah. and I, I don't know that they actually understood what I said but they were like so supportive
1: yeah it's like it wasn't the content it was that you tried it was yes, yes you
3: know Speaking
0: of support, so you know you have these speeches that you do that are so passionate with the community here in LA, and of course you'll get your hecklers, um, you know your your full-on supporters, and then you know it, it's just like this huge uh, variance of different types of people. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the people who you know make weird comments or negative comments towards the things the that you're fighting for? The trolls! <laughs> oh my god, the trolls! They're so out there, guys. <laughs> they're so
3: out there, um, especially around immigration. Mm. Yes, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. yes. I, I read some of the uh, comments on YouTube, and I was like, "Good lord!" <laughs>
1: like, what <laughs> people would have a- opinions about immigration? Oh my
0: goodness! <laughs> and, and they're like, they're not even subtle. They're like really, really strong mm. opinions, and yeah. it's surprising.
3: Yeah, and. Within our own community, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. If you go on like Asian Journal or TFC, yeah, the (laughs) comments. But um, I mean, for me, partly, in some ways, I'm I'm partly insulated from that because we've built. Really, you know, we have almost 1500 members of PWC, and we work in these really amazing coalitions like the Domestic, California Domestic Worker Coalition, um, the LA Worker Center Network. And so, a lot of things that I'm going to are like packed with people who are like, you know, who believe in the same things and who are fighting for the same things. So that's more of the overwhelming feeling that I get. And so even like, you know, I'm I'm not a performer anymore, but like doing speeches, I use a lot of skills that I learned from acting. So in terms of just oh, they're powerful, being present, they're being so powerful. connected and um thank you um and because it's the energy right Mm -hmm. you're able to connect into this large energy of a movement and um and singing too and in that kind of crowd is like so amazing it's like better than i mean it could it's better than anything in hollywood you know because (laughs) it's just like you're there together you know
1: so in a way you're like you feel like your acting background helps you in becoming a community organizer. Oh yeah.
3: I mean there's so many of the skills that transfer. You'd be um, <laughs> amazed. Um and especially cuz I'm a director, so I do a lot of public speaking. And a type of um acting that I did was um, uh, it was called acting for life and it mm-hmm. was a lot of it was about like dropping into your center being very present, being, letting things go moment to moment, you know, and so that you're, you flow with the energy of another person It's not being in your head here, you know, and contriving who your character is. So in that way, it's like, I'm able to drop into those skills, connect with someone, even like when I'm working with, um, a caregiver who Mm -hmm. has a wage claim, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing how to really connect, listen, I mean it makes a lot of difference you know
1: wow <laughs> i'm kind of wondering what would have happened if uh, like an alternate universe where you studied method acting instead <laughs> oh
0: my
3: yeah, you see, it looks totally different yeah. totally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 mm.
3: <laughs> Can you
0: tell us a little bit more about your guys' current programs that you have going on in the community with PWC?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're doing so many things. It's really exciting. Uh, I mean, even though we're in a moment when there are so many kind of horrible mm-hmm. things happening with um, families being separated. Mm-hmm. And um, there was there was a raid where, like, Filipinos got swept up and picked up by ICE just in these last two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and when we're discovering human trafficking survivors, like we just did a rescue about a month ago, you Mm. know. So there are all these like very heavy, heavy things that are going on. But um, I think for me, it's um, being able to actually take action around things um, that uh, gives me energy in this. And And we're able to be very creative Um, We're always thinking of new, innovative ways that we can reach out to new people, that we can actually transform society. Mm -hmm. So, um, And we use um, some theatrical, um, like theater uh, exercises um, when we do organizing. Can you give an example? Sure. So one thing we do is a self-care workshop. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the people that we work with, not all, but... If you're a domestic worker or a human trafficking survivor, you know, like um, you've been through trauma, mm. right? And so the self-care workshop is about kind of like going through and being able to start to reflect because you've always been giving, giving, giving also as a caregiver so that you're able to take time to reflect and also, also do healing for yourself by using... Um, uh, Like workshops where you're moving your body as well. So you're also putting yourself in other people's shoes as you're feeling like and appreciating the things that you've been through. And um, and it helps to release things, you know, like acting does, right?
1: So it's like allowing them to express themselves because they're so they're spending most of the time taking care of other people' in a way so it's like just them releasing that whatever pent-up energy or frustrations they mm-hmm. may have right
3: Yeah or, or embodying things they've been through so like in like maybe an abusive kind of working work, si- work mm-hmm. situation what like being able to kind of like act out um, like what they went through and then being able to act out what it is to like transform from that.
0: That's awesome.
3: It must be like super
0: interesting to watch people who don't have a theater or, um, you know, acting background to kind of have the self-discovery and express themselves because I can imagine a lot of people are very shy and um, kind of concealed, right? So, wow, they must feel amazing afterwards. go
3: through fear, go through, you know, a lot. And then we've also done um, uh, improv. We worked with Second City to actually do um, improv classes with caregivers because caregiving itself, you need improvisation Mm -hmm. skills, especially you have folks with dementia and and Alzheimer's. You don't want to argue with them. You want to go with them and flow with them and like redirect and stuff, and oh. so. <laughs> wow. So the framework of it. yes and, you know, in improvisation life exactly. Wow. Life <laughs> <laughs> it's leadership development actually <laughs> wow, so yeah, yeah
1: don't basically don't take your acting classes for granted There's <laughs> other, <laughs> other uses for them That's
3: right. <laughs> you, know what, you, you don't even need
0: to go to an acting class you can just go to pwc <laughs> and they will put you
3: through these workshops that's right <laughs> and help
0: the community so it's a win-win for everybody yeah. so how and do culture. people how do people get involved
3: um there are lots of different ways so i mean one so We do a lot around, like you said earlier, um, labor issues, Mm -hmm. um, wage theft is a big problem. Uh, Here in Los Angeles, this is the biggest wage capital, wage theft capital of the world. $26.2 million a week and stolen wages wow. here in los angeles what yes and so like if you think of poverty in that context like this is actually money that people worked for and earned but just didn't receive and then couldn't use for their families
1: now for the people listening and uh, watching this can you explain to us like uh, the, they're probably going to be asking how is that even possible in today's like digital age like how can they be how can there be wage theft like mm-hmm. can you explain that
3: so there's different types of wage theft. One is just being paid less than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. One is like non-payment sometimes of or like you're working and you just didn't get paid for those hours. Um, sometimes it's like um, also not get any breaks or, um, yeah, breaks or meal breaks throughout the day, um, So you just worked and worked and worked. Um, But so, for example, caregivers, it's rampant in the domestic worker industry. Caregivers, we have a lot. We have two big cases right now. And um, in one, it's um, caregivers who are working one on one through an agency, but Mm -hmm. in individual homes. And on average, they're getting paid five dollars an hour with no overtime, usually working 24 hour shifts like around the clock. Um, and the owner was making a lot of money, the agency. Wow. Um, yeah. Was, we kind of figured it was like around $50,000 a month that was her take home. Oh, my wow. gosh. Yeah. Um, and then we also have another big case where it was um, it's workers who worked in a board and care facility called Adat Shalom. And they were paying the workers um, like about $3.20 an hour um, with no overtime. Wow! And 24-hour shifts with like six people that they're caring for with really heavy, uh, you know, needing help with restroom, lifting, you know, dementia, all kinds of things. So um, and people just felt like they didn't have a lot of choices, you know, or didn't necessarily. Know That's crazy
0: lives. because if they were a registered nurse, you know, with a license they would be easily making 50, 60, 70 an hour. Right. For personal care like that or more. Sometimes it's like, it's, you know, 80 and up. So exactly. that's wild. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just
1: curious. Are these, uh, are they being taken advantage by people within their own community or is this, this is just, it's across the board? Like mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. It's both. So in, home, in the home care industry, it's both. We do have a lot of Filipino um, owners and it's, it, and some are good and some are not Mm -hmm. right and some of it use that utang na loob to like at least i'm giving you a job kind of thing um and then there are like the so the one agency case is filipino owned um filipina owned and then Mm. the other one is jewish owned so it's not a filipino owner Mm -hmm.
1: now um I just want to talk uh, talk about real quick about one of the things the big things you guys did which was the California's Domestic Workers Bill of Rights Mm -hmm. can you just real quick tell us about how you know how important is that for the people in California and like what are you guys trying to do with that Uh, are you trying to make that go national Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like in the 1930s domestic workers and farm workers were excluded from all the the protections that all other workers get um and not for any good reason but actually because the southern um legislators did not want to shake up the economic and racial hierarchy of the South that was not that long out of slavery. So they actually want to exclude all Mm -hmm. African-Americans. When that wasn't possible, they said, let's do the next best thing. Let's exclude domestic workers and farm workers because that's where they were mostly working. And that was the compromise Mm. to be able to get that law. And so until, uh, until we actually passed the California Domestic Workers Bill of Rights, caregivers and nannies were Excluded from overtime protections, oh so which goodness. is a part of that seventy-five year exclusion um, from the nineteen thirties. Wow. Yeah, and um, and so we actually had eleven rights that we were fighting for because it was a bill of rights, right? We won overtime rights, so it became a bill of rights. But <laughs> but it was really important, and part of it was because one, it actually brought the issue into the community, and into visibility. So we even got Hollywood involved too. Amy Poehler did a PSA, and um, because part of our work is like, you can't just pass policy, you have to make it a reality in different ways. Mm -hmm. So part of it is also culture change and culture shift. Mm -hmm. So, um, which is about like pop culture, actually. So we talked to editors and producers through our National Domestic Worker Alliance. We talked to folks in Hollywood They get to hear actual stories of domestic workers so that they can base then stories that they do on real stories. Um, And then we're also doing enforcement. So how do we make those rights a reality that, okay, we have overtime rights now, but there are still so many people being paid even less than minimum wage. Right. Yeah. So we're also helping people to file back wage claims. And then we're also doing kind of bigger um, class action suits. But then at the same time, we want a positive model, too. So mm-hmm. we've built a cooperative home, cooperatively owned home care agency called mm-hmm. Courage. So this is a positive model of what an agency could and should be. And then we're also going um, after a new policy that would fund and subsidize families that just can't afford home care. Because there is a big gap in terms of like... Caregivers can't afford home care when they need home care when they're older, too, Uh, and they can't retire because they never earn enough to save. But um, so we kind of approaching the problem in a comprehensive way so that because we don't just care about caregivers. Also, these are like two vulnerable populations, people who need care Mm -hmm. and those who are giving care. So this is about industry transformation how we transform how this country cares so that everyone has access to real choices where they can age in their homes and in their communities versus going to like an institution. Um, And basing that on being able to pay caregivers what they should be paid and treating them with the dignity they should when
0: do you sleep that's so
3: awesome (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) I don't do this myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah takes a movement (laughs) that's
0: a huge huge accomplishment my goodness congrats that's huge we're
1: making progress yeah thank you for what you guys do you and everyone at PWC um you know I've I knew some of the stuff but like I'm glad we got to speak to you and you got to share more and like I was I was I got school today <laughs> thank you for that mm-hmm. um, for the people listening and the people watching let, let them know how can they uh, follow PwC and mm-hmm. how get more information
3: We have a very active Facebook page um, and you can also, our our website will be soon redesigned as well. Um, We'll have a lot of great opportunities, especially around the election time because we want to lift up the Filipino voice, Mm -hmm. um, whether you can vote or whether you can't vote yet. Actually, you can actually be involved in our Filipino voter empowerment project. You can do phone banking and you can help educate people to make really good decisions. Um, And, uh, we have different volunteer opportunities, like we have um, human traf- a human trafficking program that people can volunteer with, and our uh, work. we do a lot of workshops and outreach um, events that people can um, volunteer for as well, but just, yeah, we do have an Instagram and a Twitter account, Facebook, but Facebook is the most active. So Okay. That's you and your
1: website us. is uh, pwcsc.org? That's correct. So check them out. If you guys want to learn more or volunteer with PWC, their website's pwcsc.org. And if you guys want to check out Phil I'm Creative Voices, check out Phil Am Creative on um, Instagram, and we are also on Facebook. So I'm Walter Talents.
0: And I'm Arlene Delapena.
1: This is Phil Creative Voices. Thanks for <gasps> watching.
2: Today's episode brought to you by the good folks at Filipino worker center from the heart of historic Filipino town, PWC focuses on providing programs that help meet the immediate needs of workers and their families while at the same time building their leadership to take collective action for long lasting change. This episode of voices brought to you by a wonderful and talented cast and crew. Director Rodney Cujudo, producer and host Walter Talens, producer and host Arlene de la Pena, producer and director of photography Winston Fernando, producer sound design and social media Charles Gray, cam ops Paolo Aracilia, Cheryl Nathan, production coordinator and staff writer Ronnie Quineso, production assistant Rachel N. Kuwilan and BTS Photography and Videography by Ren Arieta.